It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Smith rifles that one to Mims. And that's a foot race. He's going to win. Touchdown, Baylor. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Five straight games, Anthony, where he's got a touchdown catch of over 20. That's deflected. And picked up Mosey. He'll take it in. It's a pick six and a touchdown. Bell into the middle of that line. And it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder. 85 yards. There was contact with a quarterback, and it's incomplete. They got pressure on Prescott. It was Adams who came blitzing in. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know and what? it's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studios, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And we're taking a look at all of the draft picks that the Jets made in the 2020 NFL Draft. And one name that was a bit of a surprise to Jets fans only because of the position he plays was Cal Safety Ashton Davis. Now, we had talked about him on the podcast a couple of times. You heard Luke Grant mention him, and obviously Coach Nigel Burton, who was on the show, talked about him when he was talking about all the prospects in the Pac-12. But Ashton Davis comes off the board at 68. A lot of people had him going somewhere between 40 and 50, so seems like really good value here. And I wanted to get a little bit more of a sense of what he's like as a person and kind of look under the hood as we like to do on the show. So I went out and got one of the best. He covers Cal Sports right now for the Cal Sports Report, but he spent 27 years covering Cal Sports for the San Francisco Chronicle, Mr. Jake Curtis. Jake, thanks so much for coming on, man. Oh, Pleased to be here. Thanks. So let's start with the fact that he was a double walk-on. This is something that you don't expect out of a third-round pick, but not only did he excel at track, he also excelled at football, neither of which he had a scholarship for, although he turned down the opportunity for a scholarship, right? That's right, yeah. he, he Coming out of high school, he was originally going to go to Redlands University, and then he took a visit to Cal primarily for track, and he liked it so much he decided he wanted to play football and track at Cal and he was offered a a track scholarship at Cal but only under the condition that he would not play football and he didn't want to go for that so he decided to uh, walk on in both sports which caused his parents to take out a loan to finance him for a little while. (laughs) I think he's going to be paying them back and then some now with the money he's going to get from the NFL but those are good parents that were very supportive of him And they believed in their son, and they should have, because, boy, he had a heck of a career in track and football. Tell me a little bit about the dual threat. Yeah, he was was a star in track right away. He he won the Pac-12 110 hurdles in 19, or I'm sorry, 2017. And he he talked to a lot of people. He had to email all kinds of officials and stuff to try to talk his way onto the football team. And finally he found a guy who went to his high school who was associated with the Cal athletic department who talked to the coach at the time, who was uh, Sonny Dykes at the time. And when he came on first, he was a wide receiver on the scout team in his first year. And then he switched over to cornerback his next year. And then ultimately found his best spot at safety a uh, year after that. Seems like he's a bit of a jack of all trades, right, Jake? Because he can play a little slot, he can play some safety, maybe line up at linebacker a little bit, and I think his athletic versatility allows him to do that, right? Yeah, that's right. He he can play. Like I said, he played cornerback and safety, and on time, he did play that sort of hybrid 
strong safety linebacker spot, and he did that well as as well. Yeah, he can do a lot of things, and I think that's what appealed to appealed to the Jets. I mean, the, the one question about him was his health, and nobody knew exactly how fast he was because he wasn't able to uh, clock any times at, at the at the combine or at the Cal Pro Day. Tell me a little bit about that. What's the injury situation with him? It, well, I, I I don't know for sure, but the medical reports are that he's fine. He had a relatively minor surgery right after the regular season for a, a groin problem he'd had throughout the last couple of games of the season. He missed the uh, Stanford game, which was the second last game. He played in the UCLA game, which was the last game, but didn't play that entire game and then didn't play in the Red Box Bowl at all and went to the Senior Bowl and did interviews and stuff like that, but didn't play in the game again because of the uh, because of the uh, recovering from the surgery. And then at the Combine, he did uh, interviews and the Wonderlick and uh, did the bench presses, but did not do any of the timing for the agility drills or the 40 because of the uh, – because he still wanted to recover. And then he was going to do it all at the Cal Pro Day, which is March 20th. And then that got canceled because of the uh, the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. He is fast. I mean, the 110-meter hurdle champion uh, in the Pac-12, that indicates he's pretty quick. And I think he was the fastest guy on the Cal team. Tell me more about his speed, because we can read numbers. We can look at achievements. Yeah. But you saw it up close. Just how fast is this guy? Yeah, he, he, he has real good uh, catch-up speed. Uh at least on the football field, it looks really good because on the occasion when he when he might have made a bad read, he was able to catch up and knock down some passes. He, he claims he probably could have, uh, even without it much training, could probably run a four four. And if he had had some training, regular training, he probably would have. What did he say? He said something like uh, something special for a for a safety. He said he could have run a forty. But I don't know. I mean, you know, he looked. He, he was plenty fast on the football field, certainly. And he has kick return abilities too, right? Didn't he return a kick for a touchdown at one point? He, he's a very good kick returner. They stopped doing it later on, partly because of his uh, injuries and partly because they didn't want to get him injured a lot. Mm-hmm. And he, he made a lot of use out of hurdling in his kickoff returns. A lot of times he would hurdle tackles on his kickoff returns. And yeah, I, actually that was probably his best skill was kickoff returns. And I assume that's why one of the reasons that the Jets took him because I, I would assume they might want to put him back there if they – He's not going to be in the starting lineup, and it's hard to believe he's going to be a starter with the safeties they have unless they want to move somebody around or move him out of the off the team for some reason. It's probably the ghost of the memory of Jason Seahorn if they don't put him back there. You recall Jason Seahorn, who was a really good player out of the yeah. West Coast in college, and he ended up on the Giants, right. a really good corner and kick returner, but then he ended up getting... An injury is a kick returner that more or less ruined his career. And ever since then, a lot of right. teams have been worried about putting starting players in that position. But I want to ask you about yeah. his ability as a safety because we know he's a jack of all trades, but Marcus May's contract is coming up at the end of the season. He's going to be 28 years old. The mm. Jets are looking to mm. pay Jamal Adams in the offseason. It's highly unlikely they're going to pay two safeties, so you figure that Marcus May probably moves on after 2020. Do you think that Ashton Davis could be that center fielder for the Jets next to Jamal Adams after Marcus May moves on? Yeah, that that makes sense. I wasn't aware of all his contract situation, but yeah, that does make some sense. He he's much Davis is much better as a free safety reading the situation. That's what he that's what he does best. Uh, he might have trouble on a strong safety. Some of the coverage that he have to do there. Uh, but yeah, as a free safety, I think it'd be great. He had six, six picks as a, as a junior and two more as a senior. And he, he, 
he's a, a great top 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 of the defense guy. Tell me a little bit about Ashton Davis as a person. We know that he is somebody that is willing to fight for what he wants because he had the opportunity to get a scholarship, but he really wanted to try football. And so he busted his butt at track. He busted his butt at football and he made it happen for himself, achieving a lot in both. We know that he obviously comes from a family that believes in him because, like you said, his parents put him through school when he turned down that scholarship, which I got to be honest with you, a lot of parents would have been ready to strangle him for costing them that much money when he had a chance to get a free ride at school. But tell me a little bit more about Ashton Davis, the person. Yeah, he's a very mature kid. He's a guy who acts like he's 35. He, he's <laughs> well, well-spoken, uh, thoughtful guy. Great for the media. Uh, he always had an intelligent answer for what he was talking about, and uh, he's just a really class guy in, in that terms, as far as uh, uh, behavior and all that kind of stuff. Um, I, I I think uh, he will impress the Jets uh, coaches and the media with his with his uh, personality. Jake, the accomplishments speak for themselves. First team all pack 12 in 2018, second team all pack 12 in 2019. We look at the film, we see it, we hear what you're saying about him as a person, but his personality, you said it's going to be a good fit here and I'm curious because here's a kid who grew up in Santa Cruz, he's been in California his entire life. Now he goes all the way across the country to New York. It's obviously yeah. very different culturally and that doesn't mean better or worse, it just means different. Do you think that his personality right. will fit with the New York style culture? Yeah, I think he'll be fine. I think he's a really adaptable kid, and I don't think he'll have any problems with that. Um, he's from Santa Cruz, which is, I don't know, what, 40 miles south of San Francisco. Uh, so I, I don't think he'll have any problem with that. I mean, I'm originally from the East Coast, and everybody talked about the great differences between the East Coast and the West Coast, and, you know, I think it's a little bit overblown. I don't think there's as much difference as, as people are led to believe. That's probably true, except for the pizza, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they, they have pizza here too, but it's it's always has some kind of organic something or other on it. <laughs> I always tell people, no matter what, you can leave New York and it's fine. There's a lot of great things that you can do in a ton of other places. And I think that you can live a really happy life in a lot of different spots. But the one thing that you will always miss if you're from New York and you leave is the pizza, right? I guess so. <laughs> yeah. I'm partial to Chicago deep dish myself. Oh, no. I like Chicago deep dish, but I just don't consider it pizza. It's pie with sauce and oh. cheese in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. I hear you. Yeah. I enjoy it, though. I have no problems with it. I was actually teasing Zach Pearson from the Bear Report about it, and he was saying that while he also likes it, and he's born and bred in Chicago, he thinks that New York-style pizza is more what people think of when they think of pizza. But this isn't a pizza yeah, podcast as much as I would love it to be. We're going to talk a little bit more about Ashton Davis before we let you go. Jake, I wanted to ask you this also. Do you think that he's somebody that can deal with tough personalities? Because you're looking at Adam Gase who is the head coach, and I know that he's not going to have that much of a voice when it comes to the defense. He usually leaves that to Greg Williams. Everyone knows Greg mm -hmm. Williams. He's mm -hmm. loud. He's boisterous. Mm -hmm. He screams. He's a tough nut to crack. But if you please yeah. him, if you work hard, if you put results out there, he's going to love you. So he's a guy that if you disappoint him and you get in his doghouse, could be some big problems. If you can't deal with somebody screaming in your ear, maybe not the best coach for you. But if you bust your butt and if you're able to give him what he needs, he's going to love you. Do you think that he would be a good fit for Greg Williams? 
We'll, we'll see. I mean, I was just trying to think. Uh, uh, Will Cox is not a real shouting guy. He's a more matter-of-fact guy. And the, and the DB coach, uh, Gerald Alexander, <clears throat> who's now with the Dolphins, actually, is more of a upbeat guy, um, less of a, uh, a brow-beating kind of guy. So it'll, I, I think it'll be different for Davis. Um, I think he's mature enough to handle it. I, I guess we'll see. But it, I think it will be something different for him. It certainly will. New York, California, the Jets, and the Cal Bears, very different. But I think we have learned a lot about Ashton Davis as a person, not just from what you're saying, but from his actions. Because like we said, look at all he's overcome. Look at the challenges he's faced, and he's won every single time. So now he's going to have a chance to try and do the same thing here in New York with the New York Jets. Jake Curtis covering Cal football for the Cal Sports Report Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Why don't you let everybody know where they can find you if they want to read your work, get a little deeper in on Ashton Davis and some of the other great stuff that you're covering in terms of Cal football because Ashton Davis isn't the only guy that Jets fans want to look at. I'm sure there are plenty of players on Cal that they're going to want to take a look at for next year's draft. Yeah, we're, we're at uh, Cal Sports Report. It's a part of the, the SI.com umbrella. So, uh, yeah, we're under si.com slash college slash Cal. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hoopin' with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hoopin' with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. When you pick a punter at number 191 overall, 
he's going to start. That's just the way it works, and it's funny that way because when you use a sixth-round pick on almost any other position, you would say it's a dart throw. But when you're using it on a punter or a kicker, that's a guy that you're expecting to come in and start right away. And so that's what I think is going to happen with Braden Mann, the punter from Texas A&M. And so I wanted to learn a little bit more about him. Went out and got one of the best. He's a reporter for MyAggieNation.com, Mr. Travis Brown. Travis, thanks so much for coming on, man. You got it. Thanks for having me. So let's talk a little bit about Braden Mann. And the thing that stuck out to me was, and I know that you had told me this before we started recording, he really wanted to be a linebacker, but he just wasn't big enough. So he ended up becoming a punter and a kicker in high school and became really, really good to the point where when he went to college as a recruit, he was rated nationally as the number two kicker in the entire country by rivals. So that's a guy that would be in demand. He ends up at Texas A&M and doesn't really do that much the first two years. He was the kickoff specialist, right, at first? Right, right. He was behind uh, Daniel LaCamera, who was a, a pretty consistent punter for for the Aggies uh, for for several seasons and then uh, Shane Trapuca who was a guy who got uh, uh, some action in, in some uh, NFL camps after after college and then ended up punting in the XFL uh, this past season so there was definitely some next level talent ahead of him uh, he, he that, that's something that that they've done here at AM a little bit in um, letting uh, the, the the kind of backup guy, whether it be a punter or a kicker, take over the kickoff duties if he can prove to have it, just to kind of get some game experience, some game reps, um, not going there cold when it's his time to to be the guy. And so Braidman definitely got some opportunities like that leading into uh, his junior year. But when he got into his junior year, man, he he made an impression quick. That is for sure. Broke some NCAA records, right? Yeah, he uh, he he. His punting average his junior year in 2018 was 51 yards, which is the NCAA single-season uh, record. Also holds the NCAA record for most 60-yard punts in a season, which I believe is 14. Um, and uh, was, I mean, just absolutely electric. And to the point where sometimes his kicks, the only knock on him were sometimes his kicks were so long that he was um, either constantly – doing kicking touchbacks or he was out kicking his coverage at times um, because they were just going so far. Um, and so if you actually look at his stats between his junior year and his senior year, he dropped to uh, 47.1 uh, on, on his, his uh, kick average because he was actually working more on the situational kicking, working on helping out his, his uh, coverage team a little bit more uh, and placing his accuracy of his kicks. Um, a little bit more his senior year. And so, yeah, he didn't quite have the same average. He still finished number four in the, in the nation in punt average, um, but didn't, uh, didn't, wasn't a return uh, Ray Guy Award winner because uh, he, he, was, he was working on some stuff a little bit more, kind of honing his game and, and, and focusing in. I mean, he talked about it from day one, how much he was focusing on his situational punting uh, and his accuracy in his punting uh, a little bit less than just the power that he's had because he already – demonstrated that wholly his uh, his junior year so would you say that the progress was very noticeable from junior to senior year in terms of refining the finer points of being a punter because we know he's got a leg he showed that in spades but like you said that senior year he was trying very hard to work on the fundamentals you would say that his progress was easy to see i would say that i would say it this way in, in some aspects to a 
average football watcher, a punter is kind of like a lot of like an offensive lineman. And, and until, unless you're booting 60 yard punts or you're messing up, it's just the punter that's out there. And so I think as we talked to him and as we kind of focused in a little bit more on what he was doing and how the ball was coming off his foot a little bit more, you could tell that he was playing with the spins and playing with the way that the ball came off um, his foot, his, his senior year. But um, I think the real indicator is the fact that while his numbers dropped between his junior and senior, just, just a little bit, not, not anything crazy. He, uh, he didn't feel like it dropped off. I mean, Jimbo Fisher always talked about him as a weapon. I mean, you, you think of a punter as, Oh, the, the, the offense just stalled out. Uh, you know, this is a, 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 a bad time for the team right now, but they actually knew that if they sent Braden man out, it was, they were engaging a field position battle that, that, more times than not, they would win because they were pinning the team back very far into their um, territory. And so um, you, you really didn't sense any drop-off. If you if you didn't see any numbers and you watched both seasons, they, he didn't come close to breaking the 60-yard punt record. But, you, I mean, he, he nothing seemed to have fallen off between his junior and senior year, and I think that is a, a credit to him. Because, I mean, there was really nowhere to go but down from that junior year, <laughs> breaking NCAA records, winning the Ray Guy Award, breaking so many uh, uh, school records. It, it just uh, – he, he managed to maintain consistency. Travis, we mentioned before that he wanted to be a linebacker but just didn't have the size. But he seems to not have lost that desire to be physical on the football field. You were telling me some funny stories about the way that he plays the punter position before we started recording. Why don't you share a little bit of that? Sure. He uh, he told us often laughing that he had always dreamed about being a, a college linebacker growing up. That's that's what he wanted to do and play. And um, he, he, he comes in now at 5'11", 195, and that's probably soaking wet. He's not He's not the biggest dude. So I think he knew pretty well on that college linebacker was not going to be in his cards. Also, he suffered some some back injuries um playing younger football and and it probably wasn't going to be the smartest thing for him to continue uh re-injuring that that back with with the the grind of of kind of being an outfield player per se uh, or non-specialist but um he kind of found his niche in punting at early on and kicking because that was a way he could be able to stay in the game and stay healthy and and so he still takes that mentality of wanting to be a linebacker when he goes on to kickoffs and, and, and punts because he, uh, in his career at A&M, recorded 13 tackles, including seven um, last season. Uh, most of those were uh, touchdown-saving tackles on, on kickoffs and, and, and punt returns, and, and uh, he even forced a fumble his junior year that was recovered by A&M. Uh, he, he, he's a guy that he's not going to, when it's him and the returner, and that's all that's left coming into the end zone. He's not going to just throw his shoulder kind of at the returner's feet and hope that the returner trips over him. And he is going to wrap up, form tackle, uh, get the guy to the ground, and, and deliver a blow that's hard enough that, that can knock a, knock a ball loose like he did his junior year. So we, he always got a, a, a lot of praise, and, and we always joked around with him a lot every time he would uh, come out of a game with, with another tackle and um, – he always had to. He seemed to almost always have a bigger smile on his face after he was able to make one of those big tackles um, and, and really kind of lay some pain uh, than he was necessarily booting a huge sixty-yard punt. That 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 was always a more fun interview uh, talking about those tackles with him because he really enjoyed doing that. 
How was he on kickoffs? Theoretically, let's say the Jets were to get a kicker who's not known for necessarily having a big leg. Maybe he's more accurate, but he's not someone that's going to hit from 50, 60 yards. Do you think that he could handle kickoff duties as well, if asked? Oh, sure. I mean, there, there was uh, A&M's had a, had a great special teams unit the past couple of years as far as uh, returns go, and that's mostly because most of his kickoffs were in the end zone. I mean, they, they didn't face that many returns at all um, while he was the kickoff specialist. So it, it really, uh, it was really pretty, pretty ho-hum in that regard because uh, most of his kicks are going out of the end zone. So if you want a guy who's going to step in and minimize the, the amount of uh, hits and contact that, that your, your kickoff team is going to have to face and minimize the other team's returner, I mean, he's going to boot it into the end zone and that's kind of been uh, his, his MO. So they, they didn't really honestly do a whole ton of, situational kickoff kicking with him um, as far as maybe dropping it on the end zone and, and trying to force a return uh, because they were just wanted to Jimbo Fisher has always talked about how he, he likes a kicker that's just going to kick it out of the back of the end zone and, and save the amount of contact that his specialists and special teams players have to, to take um, because it's a grind of a season and a grind of a game. So yeah, if you, if, you, if they need the guy who's just going to step up there and, booted out of the end zone and and try to minimize returns that he, he can definitely do that Travis you and I were talking about this before we started recording but Brayden Mann was a captain he was one of five captains that the Jets selected on day number three and I found it fascinating because you don't typically see a punter as a captain on a team I think that says a lot about his personality what was he like to be around and to cover yeah, I mean he's he's a great guy, uh, really squared away. Um, he, I think it says a lot about who he is as a person. That, um, yeah, his 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 uh, physical attributes prove themselves on the field with his records he broke and winning the Ray Guy Award, and I think that played a lot into his um, his his respect from his teammates and getting voted a captain. But I think um, that also says something about his demeanor in the locker room and, and kind of taking that linebackers demeanor and that linebackers leadership qualities into um, the locker room and, and being a guy who can lead, even though he's a punter. Uh, I mean, everybody in that locker room absolutely respected the heck out of him because of um, what he was able to do and the kind of weapon he was. I mean, you, when you, when you talk about, we talked about this earlier, what Jimbo Fisher said, when you, when someone describes a football player as a weapon, you think quarterback, wide receiver, running back, maybe tight end. Um, and those are your weapons, but, but everyone on the team considered him a weapon. Uh, and then he was the guy also that they um, ran out to the media after wins, after losses. He was able to coherently break down and talk about all the different aspects of the game, not just the, 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 the punting game, because he um, is involved in talk, talking with people and in those conversations and uh, uh, did it very eloquently and, and uh, did it very professionally. And I uh, certainly, it comes, to no, it comes as no surprise that they, after talking with him and, and kind of getting to know him as a person, very laid back, um, would, would, would joke around with us and, and, and was very comfortable talking with us and, and just seemed very mature um, for, for his age. And uh, I think that every right to be a captain, even though he was a, a specialist and a punter. Travis, he's from Cypress, Texas, and he spent the last couple of years at Texas A&M. Now he's coming to New York, a huge culture shift, obviously. How do you think he'll do here? I think, I mean, like I said, I think he'll do fine. He's very mature beyond um, his, his age. Uh, I think he's a squared away kid. He can uh, 
get adjusted. I, I don't see him as being a huge going to go out and, and live up the New York uh, party life or anything like that. <laughs> I think he's probably going to be pretty professional, uh, get the job done and uh, do what he needs to do. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure there's a, a huge culture shift in, in having grown up probably Cypress is uh, 45 minutes away from Col- Bryan College Station. So just basically kind of coming down the road to go to college after growing up there. But he's had to travel around the country uh, playing teams for, for football and travel around the country for award circuits and training. And so, uh, as you know, and as everyone knows, these these uh, football players now and any of these, these college athletes have had to, especially the ones that are performing at the highest level, have had to – travel the country and, and live out of a hotel and, and uh, you know, have the certain amounts of discipline they need to do to um, be away from home and also get the job done and, and be professional. And I think he really epitomized that. So I, I don't see a whole lot of worries uh, uh, being away from, from where, what he's accustomed to, 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 to get the job done for sure. You watched him in every game that he played. You got to know him very well on a personal level. What's your ultimate prediction here? Do you think he's going to come in and become the type of punter that can be here for 10 to 15 years, maybe be a multiple-time pro bowler? Because that's what you're expecting when you use a draft pick on a kid like this. You think he can live up to that? Yeah, I don't see any reason why he he couldn't. Um, Did the times where he – I mean, he really only shanked about – two punts in his two years that I can remember and really they weren't horrible shanks they were just not you know 40 plus yarders um and and he handled all those situations really well and and if he the few times that he did that early in his career if he shanked one he came back and booted one uh you know 50 yards the the next time and and so I think um I, I fully buy into I know uh Mel Kuyper uh, on the draft coverage said that he uh, he envisions this guy being a um, multiple-year pro bowler and a, and a long career and, and, and mentioned Shane Leckler, Leckler a lot. I mean, A&M has a pretty rich recent history of, of putting punters in, in the NFL between um, Shane Leckler and Drew Kayser. Uh, and now uh, and Shane Trebuka got a little quick shot and now um, – um, Braden man, and uh, I, I see no reason why he couldn't follow the Shane Leckler uh, path of of being a veteran and being a guy who has a a really long career in, in the NFL and and does some really impressive stuff while he's up there. And and like we said, is is just a, a leader and a, and a savvy professional from uh, pretty early on in in, in his career. Travis Brown of MyAggieNation.com. Great job giving us some insight on the Jets' new punter, Braden Mann. Also, thanks again to Jay Curtis of the Cal Sports Report for coming on and giving us some insight on Ashton Davis, who should be a key contributor in 2020 and perhaps even a full-time starter in 2021. If you haven't had a chance to give us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd really appreciate it. It's an easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. It doesn't take much time. It doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could do that for us, we would be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and turnonthejets.com.